Hey, what's happening, guys? So grateful that you tuned in once again to our No Sweat Evangelism podcast. This is a podcast really designed to encourage you to share your faith with those who are far from God. And a unique series we've got going on right now for this evangelism podcast, and that is we are interviewing pastors who are really getting it done in evangelism. And I'm super blessed to have Pastor Jeff Crook on the line with us today. Pastor Jeff is actually the lead pastor at Christ Place in Flowery Branch, Georgia. And uh, he's been serving there for several years now. And uh, I had the privilege of getting to know him while I was pastoring up in Northeast Georgia. He's always been a huge source of encouragement in my life and always an individual who is serious about reaching people with the good news of Jesus. So I'm excited to have him on the line today. So Jeff, if you'll just give a little shout out of a hello to everybody. Yes, thank you, Levi. I'm very grateful to be part of this, to encourage pastors. So thank you for the invite to talk about reaching people for Jesus. Uh, you got it, man. Hey, listen, you know, not everybody really knows your story. Could you just like take a minute, share with us kind of how you came to faith in Christ? Absolutely. So I'm the uh, baby of six. We had a large family and we were sort of CEOs only, Christmas, Easter only. We didn't know the Lord. We'd show up on the special days, and then my mom and dad were radically changed by Christ, probably in their mid-40s, and our whole family was changed. It, salvation just came through our family, and all of us professed faith in Christ. So I was an 11-year-old boy when I gave my heart to Christ, and uh, God just changed our family when when God changed my dad. Wow. He was the catalyst. and. Uh, so, so thankful that a pastor took the initiative to visit our family and how our family uh, now all follow Jesus. So at the age of 11, that's interesting. Uh, could, you, could you tell the difference in your parents immediately? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we weren't, we were good Southerners, you know, believe in the Ten Commandments, didn't take God's name in vain. But, you know, my dad... Uh, temper, alcohol was in the home, just a lot of, you know, I mean, Christ wasn't the Lord of his life. And so when Jesus changed his life, uh, it was a radical change. I mean, you know, Sunday we, we were in church and, uh, we lived out our faith and, and, you know, the Lord called me to preach, to go into ministry when I was 13. So just like two years after that, you know, I really sensed a, a prompting of God to, to serve him. And so again, it goes back to my mom and dad that it wasn't just a Sunday deal. God changed our family. Man, that is awesome. You know, I know, I know that you have a passion for reaching people with the gospel. Matter of fact, I think the first time I ever heard you preach, um, was at some kind of conference. And I remember sitting there and I'm going, who's this Jeff Crook guy? And then you got up and you started preaching. I was like, I like this Jeff Crook guy. He's actually preaching what's in the Bible. But at the same time, I was fired up because I could just sense the passion that you had to actually see people come to know Jesus. Tell me kind of what drives that passion in your life now. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know why we make it complex. You know, Jesus gave us our marching orders. He was so clear what our main assignment is to be, you know, to go into the world and preach the gospel. And he was so clear with his church when, when he ascended, he's just given such clear marching orders. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power and go be witnesses. And so I just feel like that's the main assignment of the church. And when the church is doing that, of course, we always, you know, need to improve, and, and, and there's always weird seasons in the life of the church. But the deal is, 
we're always more healthy aligned when we're when we're balanced and when evangelism sharing our faith is always front and center and it just brings energy to the church and what i've learned i mean i'm in my 27th year being a a lead pastor of very sized churches and i feel like you know when when people are being saved and uh lives are being changed and families are being transformed it minimizes uh uh, you know, feuding, fighting, mm-hmm. uh, preferences that they elevate. And, you know, like we'll, we'll have a couple big baptism days in the year. And we just had one recently. God was so good to us that during COVID, we had a big baptism day scheduled for March. Didn't happen, of course. Right. But we got to do it in September. And we had like 67 folks baptized that day. And so my wife and I, Becky, were visiting some homes of some of our senior adults that had not been able to come back because of uh, COVID. And in every home I'd go to of a senior adult, they were telling me how how fired up they were. That, that may have not been the way they described it, but they love seeing the baptisms. And one couple said, we were counting them out loud. And so that just reminds me, anytime you know, people see folks saved in the church, it brings such energy. It's like a newborn baby coming to a family. Right. Everybody wants to hold a baby. Everybody's happy. And so I feel like, you know, uh, What's always created passion with me as a pastor about evangelism is how it just keeps the church unified around what Jesus told us to do in the first place. That's exactly right. It is pretty amazing once you kind of get everybody aligned with what the Lord has called us to do. You know, Jesus Mm -hmm. also makes that promise. He simply says, right, I I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So I believe the Lord is with us in a unique fashion when we're involved in making disciples of the nations. And uh, I know you've sensed that where you're leading now, which is, again, one of those reasons I definitely wanted to have you on the line today just to have a conversation with you. You know, when we think about reaching people with the gospel as pastors, sometimes we think of just preaching the gospel, right? So we give an invitation, we encourage people to come to Christ. But I know that you also understand and you live out the reality that sharing your faith uh, one-on-one with people is absolutely paramount. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm convinced most passionate preachers of the gospel are mm-hmm. very passionate about personal evangelism. Yes. When I think about your life, I, I just wonder, over the course of the, your years in ministry, when you were reaching people uh, with the gospel, just kind of one-on-one back in the day, as compared to today, how you reach them, is there anything that's been changed in how you do that? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I've pastored in the Bible Belt uh, in my entire ministry, but it doesn't look so much like the Bible Belt anymore. We're really missionaries. We're like everyday missionaries where we're where we're at. And when you go on a mission trip, you adapt to that culture you're you're going to. And so you know you may you may eat at a different time, you may wear different clothing. You try to meet them where they're at. And so I really you know try to communicate to our people that we've got to think like a missionary. We've got to be flexible like a missionary as well. And one thing we've told our folks, I, I picked this up uh, in a book, I think by James Emery White. He's talking about, you know, we, we all remember the Acts 2 culture, but we're really now in an Acts 18 culture. And White was talking about in Acts 2, you know, Peter gets up there and he preaches the first evangelistic sermon, and it's filled with references from the Old Testament and he was preaching to a religious audience that were lost, but they, they understood, you know, uh, the religious background of, you know, Judaism and one God. And so he gives the altar call, 3,000 are saved. And 
It was amazing. Then you fast forward to Acts 18, mm-hmm. and it's the Apostle Paul, who was a great evangelist. But he's in Athens, Greece, and he's preaching, but the audience is so different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he really engages their culture. He talks about the idols around. He talks about one of their famous, famous poets. Uh, he really, you know, is creative in his presentation. And the Scripture says that, you know, just a handful were saved. Mm-hmm. And so what we have talked about to our people was, you know, we, we kind of look at people on a one to 10 scale back in the day, you know, back when I started in ministry, you may have had people to walk in your church and they might be like at a, a six or seven. And then before long, they're at a 10, they're in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're seeing people, they come in at minus one, <laughs> minus right. five. Yeah. They don't have a clue. And so, you know, we, we celebrate a step they take. And sometimes it's taken now up to months and months and even a year you know, I just uh, saw a young man in our church recently come to faith in Christ, and he came out of a Catholic background, and he would call me priest. He called me father. He didn't have the, you know, uh, the lingo background of being in a Baptist church. And so I was so proud this guy was coming. He'd say, I love your talk today, or I loved your lesson today. He didn't know about preaching. Right. But then he just came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we watched him over that time. So I think, you know— we're not, we water nothing down. I mean, we're rescuing the parish and we're caring for the dying. We're preaching the gospel, but uh, we're realizing today that, that people have like no spiritual background. Mm. So we're engaging them where, where they're at. And, you know, instead of cursing the, 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 the darkness, you know, we just want to turn some light on and, uh, and, and approach them where they're at and just start simple, be clear and always preach Jesus, be clear about the gospel. That's good, man. That's very good. Hey, when you think about reaching people with the gospel, is there somebody who's kind of helped fan the flame of evangelism in your life? Well, like you, I mean, we've all had our pastors that we admired and, you know, back in the day, it's like the heroes of all the preachers were these really strong evangelistic pastors and most of them are with the Lord. You know, I was thinking about, I, I pastored in Florida for eight years before I came to the Holy Land up here in Georgia. That's right. But uh, for those eight years in, in Florida, our newspaper wasn't called The Index. It was the Florida Baptist Witness. And they'd, they'd print every year, you know, the top uh, churches that baptized. And I'd get that list. I couldn't wait to get that Levi when he would come. And I'd look at that list and... I would get to know those pastors, and so I, I, the first thing I did, this is when people sent out newsletters, so I right. called the office, asked for their newsletter be mailed to me. I started subscribing to their cassette tapes. Most people don't know what that is today, right. and then I would try to like go have lunch with them, and I wanted to learn from them and just say, now tell me, you know, because this was a day that you'd see like baptisms like four to six hundred a year. Sometimes yeah, they would even hit 900 to 1,000. And so a lot of those guys, you know, they became my models, and, and I would really, like, uh, learn from them. And, you know, some things I would just outright copy that they would do. It, but, but what I learned from them is they never lost their passion. They would, they would preach the word expositionally, mm. but they'd always give the clearest invitation, come follow Jesus. So, mm. you know, I, all those role models, I really believe, you know, inspired me to uh, – to be an evangelistic pastor. Man, that's pretty awesome. You know, it's kind of encouraging to hear as well that somebody like you who's really evangelistic now can kind of point back that, you know, there was a time where you were just trying to learn, you know, and I know Mm. you're still learning, which is very encouraging. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, just just tremendous when you think about all those guys who've gone before us and, and realizing at the same time as a preacher of the gospel, you know, we're not the only ones who are doing it. You know, there are several other mm-hmm. guys who are doing it. And one of the things that that really kind of encourages me on, uh, Jeff, is the fact that you weren't jealous of those guys who were baptizing a lot. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you were saying, hey, what, do, how, what are you fishing with? You know what I mean? How are, you, how are you getting all those fish in the boat? Let me see what the net is. So I, I think that's pretty yes. awesome, man. Very encouraging there. I know you're leading an evangelistic church right now, so kind of give our listeners a little insight into what it takes to lead a church to be evangelistic. Well, you know, I feel like I believe, I don't feel, I believe that the people need to clearly know the mission and you need to keep uh, communicating that mission all the time and you need to point everything to the mission. I think another thing too is, uh, you know, our people have a lot of sermons, but they need tools and they need on ramps. They need easy on ramps. And so there's a couple of things that we do every year. We always, you know, have a one year goal that we're after. And uh, we'll build everything out around that one-year goal. Uh, for instance, this year, we had no idea COVID was coming, but we had an emphasis called Love Where You Live. And we were really emphasizing our people that God has, has placed you in your neighborhood, your workplace, your school campus. And so we ask everybody to uh, develop a My Five list. That's right. I know our, you know, our, our, our Baptist brothers have done who's your one. And some said we're overachievers, I guess. I don't know, but we had a, my five list. And so there's five uh, relationships you want to build. And maybe it's five different places you go, like CrossFit, like the school, like, you know, your, your hunting buddies, five relationships you're building and uh, you're going to start praying for them and building relationship with them. And you want them to see uh, them come to Christ. And so we introduced something called the blessed strategy. We just took the word bless as a little acrostic. So B begin with prayer. Uh, L you want to, you want to learn about that person. You want to, you want to learn their background, you know, learn their name so you can have that conversation with them. E uh, eat with them. You know, it's amazing how many times Jesus would be eating with sinners and so many awesome conversations happen around the table. So have a meal with them in your home or wherever, and then S, serve them. So you're, you're going to serve them in a tangible way, uh, meet a need, babysit for them, help them in the yard, whatever, and then S, share the gospel. So we talked about what you're doing is you're building a relationship, and we've seen so many folks have come to Christ because of the My Five list. Now, here's another cool thing we did. When we talked about serving them, we also invited them to serve with us. We did a community survey a while back, and it's amazing to me how many pastors don't know their community. Mm-hmm. We did a community survey, and we found out you know, what our community is thinking, what, what they believe, where they go. One thing we learned is they're not interested in Jesus, but they are interested in doing something nice for people you know, doing serving uh, and helping in some way. So we found out some creative ways to, to help and serve in our community. And we now build these around what we call make a difference weekends. And we did something, um, let's see, a year or two ago, we called it feeding the 5,000. So we found, we found like about 5,000, you know, in our community that uh, were in need. And so we took food to them so a lot of our folks had their lost friends coming to church on Sunday to Christ Place to get food, That's and right. they went out together. So they, I mean, you know, they are lost. They don't know Christ, but they're around a believer, and you're serving with them. And then they begin to say, 
hey, you people at the church, y'all aren't really against everything, are you? Right. you know? <laughs> and so all these own ramps that you get your people, uh, you know, I think it really encouraged them that, hey, everybody can really, you know, make a difference and everybody can win someone to Christ. And so, yeah, we just are always giving out little tools, goals for our people to buy into. Uh, always try to think about easy own ramps that even my high school son could participate in, or my daughter, my wife teaches fifth grade girls in a small group. Even her little girls can participate in it. Mm, man, that's good, brother. I love what you said. Give people an easy on-ramp. Give them tools. We've got a lot mm. of sermons. Not many tools are being handed out. And that reminds mm. me, too, for those of you who are listening, we do have a evangelism tool that is available right now that you can get a hold of called No Sweat Evangelism. It really is a tool to help uh, you learn how to share your share the gospel in a very simple fashion. So if you hadn't taken a look at that, nosweatevangelism.com, and that would kind of be the last S on the bless strategy, which you just shared. I mm-hmm. love that, man. Jeff, thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Hey, this is mm-hmm. kind of the final question here, and I know this is kind of deep thoughts right here, but uh, if you could go mm-hmm. back in time, talk to yourself, just beginning ministry, what word mm-hmm. would you say to yourself? Three quick things come to my mind. One is margin. Uh, time, margin of time with family. I think when I started in ministry, you know, I, I'm so ashamed to say I took off to preach a revival on my son's birthday. I missed his birthday. I, I took off and led a group to the Journeys of Paul on my daughter's birthday, and I'm like, what an idiot. You know, I mean, I could have done that any time. And now, as my kids are older, uh, I'm so more intentional about spending time with them, and I wish I could go back and realize that you know, I'm a person first that has to walk with God. I'm a partner to my wife, Becky. I'm a, a parent to my children, and then I'm a pastor. And so I get that, I got that order out of line for so long and still haven't arrived, but, you know, I feel like I'm growing. I'll tell you another thing, too, is uh, I'd invest in men like crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, about four years ago, I started getting real intentional about uh, discipling men in small groups. You know, it's out there that if 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 a uh, if a child comes to Christ, you got a four percent chance to reach the family. If a wife comes to Christ, you got a seventeen percent chance. If the man, ninety three percent chance the whole family will come to Christ. Wow. My dad came to Christ, changed our whole family. So I would invest in men, and uh, I would disciple men, and I have just went through. I'm about to start a fourth generation now of discipling men. It's been so cool to watch them replicate. Mm. And then I think the last thing, I just developed more leaders. I would really, I, mean, I feel like the leaders, the, the church is never stronger than its leaders. And I would really, I, 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 would, I would change the, the, the hero of the story to not the, the pastors, but the people. And for so long, we've made, you know, our pastors the heroes. They're doing all the work. And that is so against what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and Ephesians about equipping them to do the work of the ministry. And I I would really get, we've been building out a leadership pipeline for about two years now. And it is so cool to watch new leaders emerge. Pastors do the same thing. They keep reshuffling the same old leaders, the same old leaders. And we're thankful for them. But these... As I've, I'm 17 years at Christ Place now, heads are getting grayer. We're getting older, and when you start looking back, you find out that you're not you're not developing the next generation of leaders. So I don't know. Family time, uh, pouring my heart into men, and and developing more leaders Man, is what I would. That's a good do word. Again. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Very very encouraging. 
Hey, I'll tell you what, if you're listening today, I know that you've grabbed a nugget of truth, if not one, many of them, uh, from Jeff Crooks. So, Jeff, I just want to say thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you for the source of encouragement you've been in my life personally. I know you've probably aren't aware of this, but you've said a few things to me in the past, just uh, one-on-one that have really impacted me. And for that, I am uh, eternally grateful and just thankful for what God's doing through you and through the life of your church family. And just know we're praying for the very best for you and excited to see how the Lord continues to work, man. And let me thank say, you, is, yeah, thank you. And let me just say to you guys who are listening today, just check out NoSweatEvangelism.com. I think that will be a tool that will be extremely helpful for your church family so they can learn a very simple way to share the gospel. And once again, thank you a ton for being here. I also want to thank John Graham behind the glass here as our producer today and uh, appreciate his ministry here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. God bless you.